Good evening, sir. What's your destination? Houston. And how many tickets? Three. One for myself, one for my young friend. You needn't worry about the third. Of course, sir. And is Houston your final destination? My final destination? (laughs) No. My final destination is somewhere else. A place where the clouds heave up out of the ocean. Where lightning strikes out at the end of the Gulf of Mexico. That graveyard of ancient beings we dig up and burn for fuel. Sir? And the clouds... You've seen clouds like these, young man. The clouds gather and hang beneath the sun like a quilted blanket. Pockets that round down like a belly and then up back into another stitch. God's blanket, maybe, that the sun warms from above. Only this blanket doesn't comfort, it smothers. Welcome to Coven Episode 9. As always, you can find the content warnings for this episode in the episode description. Our cover art is by Daniel Stetner. Our theme song is by Ben Cronin. And a brief note for you here, there was a heater in the background on Kiefer's track. I've done my best to remove it, but he does sound a little tinny in this episode. It doesn't last forever, so hopefully that's not too much of a distraction, and uh, it clears up eventually. So... Thanks for listening so much, everybody. As always, if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that really helps other folks find the show, which is our goal, to share this with as many people as we can. So giving us a shout on social media as well, we're at coven underscore podcast on Twitter is another great way to go about it. And as always, we are at covenpodcast.com. And that's all for me. So please enjoy this episode of Coven. Welcome back to Coven. My name is Noah Lloyd. I am your host and GM for the day. I've got some drives uh, as a game master. Make the NPCs people with their own agency and their own drives. I want to empower you to play your characters as hard as possible. Make the setting feel like the 80s in both glitz and grit. And make violence when it happens short, brutal, and consequential. We have two statements for Sorcerer. Statement of location, which is a striated Gulf Coast town and strip malls, and a statement of our visual look of sorcery, which is unseen doorways and visceral decay. We have Kiefer Katz. Hi, I'm Kiefer Katz. I'm playing Samson Sickle. Gary Slack. I'm Gary Slack, and I'm playing Robert Chessimard. And Sharon Sloan Merriam. I'm Sharon, and I play Joan Bataille. And let's jump right into it. At the end of last episode, Samson had gotten a phone call from his cop buddy who had basically informed him that 
is Kapari thought that something had gone wrong with the fingerprint test because what it returned was the fingerprints of someone who died in the 60s and of whom there is now a statue in front of the high school, one Jeremy Phelps, whose name will be familiar to you if you listen to our Kingdom episodes. And we are currently in the 80s. We are currently in 1984. Mm-hmm. Did you forget the cop buddy's name too? Is that why you're referring to him as cop buddy? Yes, <laughs> I did. I, I apparently didn't write him in my notes. <laughs> so it, I will not find out what the cop buddy's name is until I edit episode eight. <laughs> anyway, so cop buddy, uh, you've just hung up the phone with him, Samson. What are you, what are you thinking at this point? How are you reacting? I think Samson's just like, huh, I guess that isn't completely out of the question so, wait did samson live in this town in the 60s when all of this happened like would he remember this kid dying in the 60s i can't remember where i'm from he <laughs> yeah he did not live in delivery in the 60s so what we what i'm remembering about samson from our character generation time is that he used to work in Houston and was in um, Vietnam. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then after after Vietnam, moved to the livery. And do we know what year it was that Jeremy Phelps died? Uh, 64. Nice. So tw- 20 years ago this year. Okay. Ooh, it's an anniversary. Yeah. It's almost like someone planned it that way. <laughs> so... Do we get anything else from Samson at this point? No, I think he's like just sort of this just the kind of growing sensation that this all might be a little bit more complicated and weirder than he expected, but <laughs> that maybe that's okay. Sure. So just a minute or two after that, Eric Irons comes charging in. He's carrying his golf clubs. And as a reminder, I want to say that we called him that we were saying he's a James Gandolfini lookalike. Uh, yeah, James Gandolfini vibes for <laughs> Mr. Irons. And I just found your cop buddy, Samson Snotty Sycamore. <laughs> uh, his name? His, uh, Detective Roger Cream, and everybody called him Heavy Cream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to leave all this shit in there. I could go back and re-record it so I didn't sound <laughs> like I didn't know who our NPCs are. But um, So James Gandolfini, a.k.a. Eric Irons, charges in he's got his golf clubs over one shoulder and he says sam follow me get the hell in here i assume you follow him into his office where he he shuts the door kind of tosses his clubs onto the ground sits in his desk chair and lights up a cigar what have you got for me sam why'd you bring your golf clubs into my office it's not your office it's his office (laughs) well no he brought them into my his my office to tell him (laughs) to tell me to come to his office as a as so this is a slight blocking note the way that we've set this up before is it's like a it's like a prefab building which is like all open concept so there are a bunch of desks in one large room and you are like the desk closest to his office which is the only actual office in this building i don't have an office man sorry (laughs) But I, I have edited all these, so I've spent a lot of time in, in No, these. I believe you. I just can't believe I'm an 80s business guy without an office. I mean, that's <laughs> part of the thing. I'm just extremely part cocked, of the thing. I guess. Um, <laughs> I have some tips that'll take at least three off your handicap. 
he he scowls at you. I was just out golfing with Judge Ryan. And Judge Ryan tells me that the clearing has recently changed hands, but even he does not know who it is. Now is the time, Sam. Yes, now is definitely the time, but if even the judge who handles this sort of... I don't have access to municipal paperwork, let alone county-level paperwork. I, I I would love to know who bought and sold and changed hands for the clearing, but... This is what I hired you for, Sam. When we talked on Friday, you said this was going to be no big deal. Yeah, but that was before things changed hands. I It just seems like the situation's gotten a little bit more complicated since we last spoke, doesn't it? Get down to the county records office, do whatever you need to do, take some pocket money, just get it done. Yeah, I can hit petty cash. No, you can't hit petty fucking cash. Get you out. You just said take some pocket money. You want me to buy the... I'm paying these bribes myself? Yes. Okay. Plausible deniability. Get out. I'm not doing plausible deniability without an office. <laughs> oh, you want an office. <laughs> yeah, I'm negotiating today. That's Grew out some of balls character. over the weekend, Mr. S- oh, that is... That, okay. <laughs> You grew some balls over the weekend, Sycamore. Yeah, you know, I was thinking maybe it's time to have another kid and hard to do that without balls. He uh, he takes a long drag on his cigar and as he's exhaling, he he opens a drawer in his um, in his desk, pulls out a, a petty cash box, unlocks it, tosses you like a, a stack of probably, you know, two grand or something like that and says... By Wednesday. I want a name by Wednesday. Give me a name by Wednesday. We'll see about the office. All right. On Wednesday, we'll be seeing about the view. Cool. I like that. So where? what do you do at this point? I mean, do you finish out your day at the office or do you just kind of d- head into town to start digging? I mean, he said I should leave and I, yeah. I'm always happy to leave the office. Fair. Cool. Okay. So um, I kind of want at this point to cut over to Joan. Okay. So can you remind uh, me whether I know sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but do I know no. that Robert owns the clearing? You do not. No, none of y'all do. No. Um I think the the people that know at this point are Robert obviously, uh Von Carter, who was the executor of Willie May's estate, and then mm-hmm. um his parents. And then his parents, exactly. Right. Okay, so cutting over to Joan, it is a Monday. Um, we decided a while back that this is May of 1984, so it's end of the semester, right? Folks are getting ready for exams, that kind of thing. And there is a new song on the radio. I looked this up, and it just <laughs> it fits so perfectly with, with everything. Prince has come out with a new song this month called When Doves Cry, and it is just being played everywhere. All the kids love it. And Joan, as a as a pop fan, I imagine that it has sat with you a little bit. So that's just kind of a tonal thing, right? As we enter the high school, that's probably, you know, we've gotten the budget to have this in the soundtrack. What is a what does a day for Joan look like in school? What kind of a student is she? What kind of friends does she have? That kind of thing. I mean, I assume she's a pretty good student because she has to be ambitious to want to get out of this small town and, you know, has all these 
big city musician dreams. Um, so yeah, I imagine she's a pretty good student. Maybe not straight A's, but doing well enough to try and um, probably get out, whether that's, you know, by um, becoming a musician, getting recognized, or being able to get into college somewhere that's not in the livery. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then we said she's also on track. So I think she probably doesn't have a ton of friends, isn't super popular, is probably just, like, focused on her own shit. Um, sure. She probably has, like, a small group of, you know, like, two or three friends and then is friendly with everybody. I Yeah, I can't imagine she's, like, disliked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, and so, I, yeah, I imagine it's standard school day plus, like, track meets and maybe, I don't know. Did we say if she's in, like, choir or anything? Yeah, I assume, yeah, yeah, she's also in the choir. Okay, so then, yeah, standard school day plus track meets plus choir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're you're a bit of an overachiever, right? Not, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't mean in that in, that in the pejorative way, but just in the, you know, going out for for quite a few things, trying to stay on top of it, a motivated goal for the future. What's the What's the class she has the most trouble in? Mm-hmm. Oh God, uh, probably something like math related that she can't see necessarily fitting into her actual career goals. Sure. Sure. So I think math is probably a uh, a morning period class for you, like second or third period. And Millie Sycamore is in it, Sam's daughter, who you had kind of a tense conversation with in a previous episode when you were trying to, to feel out what the deal is with Sam. And I think at lunch, she comes up to you, you know, you're sitting with your one or two other friends who we may or may not decide need names in the future Mm -hmm. and she asks if she can sit with the the three of you um sure billy uh why what's going on with you she she slides in next to you and and um kind of keeps her her eyes down a little bit and she she just says like i'm i'm sorry i was i was kind of short with you last week my uh i don't know my mom and dad, they don't always seem to get along, and I think you just had a nerve when we started, when you started asking me questions about him, which was still weird. Like, don't get me wrong. It was weird you wanted <laughs> to know about my dad, but I'm sorry for how I reacted. No, it's okay. Sorry to um, be asking about him. I just see him at the, uh, at the bar a lot, and uh, yeah, he seemed a bit weird at the bar, too. How so? Mm, I don't know. He just seems very secretive sometimes. I'm not really sure what the deal is with that. Have, yeah. Has he said anything to you recently about what he's been up to on the weekends? About what he's been up to? What do you mean? Oh, I just, I'm just curious. Just, uh, you know, just um, a professional curiosity since I work at the Rogue. <laughs> uh, I... I wish that I was on on deck enough to have like a pun for professional. <laughs> I mean, he's he's got his boat, but I mean, no, I don't. Look, I don't. I don't know why we're talking about my dad again. I'm. You I, brought him up. But that, 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 that just, that's not what I wanted to talk. I just wanted to say, I wanted to come over and apologize. I wanted to say, like, if you ever needed help on your math homework, I know it's not your strongest thing. I don't know. Maybe we could have like a tutoring session or something. Actually, yeah. How about at your house? Yeah, yeah. And she she kind of perks perks right up. Why don't we have a 
role here. I think this could be interesting. Okay. So I think that this would, what's your, what's your cover really? I don't think that, yeah, high school is part of your cover. So I think that you can roll me your cover. And if you, this is to notice something. So Sharon, if there's, if there's something you want to do in order to get some bonus dice on this, just in terms Mm -hmm. of like a quippy one-liner or, I mean, I think actually I'll go ahead and give you a bonus die for um, saying, what about at your house? Because that immediately like leverages your way into getting more information that you seem to want to do. So that's yeah. 5d8 right now. Is there anything else you want to do to try and, and notice this particular thing? Uh, I'll go with 5d8. Okay, cool. So go ahead and roll um, 5d8. Okay, so Sharon got a 7, 4, 6, 2, and 1. And I was rolling 3d8. I rolled 7, 2, and 2, which means that uh, Sharon wins. Um, so you were rolling against Millie's will here. You were using your cover to be kind of a good high school student. And as soon as she asks you, you know, maybe I could help you study sometime. I know it's not your favorite. She like blushed a little bit. And Mm -hmm. as soon as you suggest her house and she gets kind of excited, you start to piece together. Oh, she might actually have a bit of a crush on me. And that might also be why when you started asking her about her dad while she got like weirdly defensive about it um that's cute even though it was kind of strange the way you like (laughs) just came up and started asking her about her dad when when uh when do you want to come over how about tonight tonight's great yeah yeah tonight's great okay (laughs) cool and then she will have, <laughs> Gary says in the chat, a chain of unrequited crushes. Absolutely. It's high school. I mean, what else is high school but a chain of unrequited crushes? Yeah, that's accurate. Cool. Okay. So we get that set up for tonight. Do you want any other, like, do we want to see any other beats of you in, in school at the moment? No. Anything I'm fine that she's up to? Waiting to get to the Sycamore house. Okay. Cool. Um, so let's pop over to Robert. Robert, you are largely unemployed, right? You are just part of the house band at the Rogue, so you work in the evenings. What is your yeah. what is your day like? I usually wake up between ten and noon, and the first thing I look at is my necklace um, because my necklace is where my demon uh, Mlack is housed, and um, that's you know, kind of where he stretches his limbs. And I always notice that. He is like thinner in the sense that the necklace, uh, the size of the necklace corresponds to Mlack's available power. And he always loses power when he sleeps because, you know, uh, weird demonic stuff. So uh, (laughs) first thing I like to do is, you know, wake up and, you know, stretch and play some licks on the bass. I play bass, right? <laughs> Lord, um, <laughs> p- play a few licks on my bass, and then you know maybe uh, make something to eat or go out for some lunch. But for most of the day, he's just really like going wherever the wind takes him. Like he has some, um, I have some musician friends that I might kick it and jam with. Um, mm-hmm. Might go to the movies, you know, just whatever. Uh, occasionally, I'll get a request for some odd construction job. Uh, usually through like 
you know, a friend of the family who wants to see me get paid, but every night I'm at the haunt and I'm, you know, getting ready to jam and do my thing. The rogue. Yeah, what did I say? The haunt? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. The, we, yeah. We did that a few times last episode, and for the folks at home, the haunt is the name of a place which I think closed recently here in Ithaca, right, Gary? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's totally destroyed. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it closed a few years ago, and now it's demolished. Um, cool. Yeah, I like that that kind of quick pick of what you are, what your day-to-day is like, but is today any different, right? So, and this is, this is me in terms of the mechanics of sorcerer. This is me asking you now that you have a little bit of downtown downtime, how are you responding to the kicker of you now owning the clearing basically, especially when you've had the Bayou witch come along to, you know, it seemed to be laying a claim on the clearing in a way that made you uncomfortable at the end of the last episode. For sure. She says something to the effect of um, the current protector will not be able to ward off the impending evil. Um, and that yeah. impending evil is the uh, dead high school student, right? Um, or we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know at the moment. Yeah, Robertson has feelings about it. And um, he, he doesn't like to be told that his piece of land under his jurisdiction, you know, he's not doing enough uh, for it. So he wakes up a little earlier than usual. Um, in fact, like he has had probably the worst night of sleep since he first returned uh, to, you know, this place. And he wants to kind of find out like what's really good so he goes out and i think the first thing he does is he goes to the library Mm -hmm. and you know his whole thing is he was an avid reader um you know when he was in college and you know knew how to do his work but since coming back you know he's just fallen out of all things reading and literary and whatever Um, But today he goes to the library and he's essentially like, you know, looking into like the newspaper archives. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, just just being real fast and loose with it. But he wants to read up on the reportage surrounding the swamp, like beginning a few years before. Just like a pause are any of our characters aware of the events of 20 years ago? I don't think Robert so. would have been like five, wouldn't he have been? Or something? About... How old is he now? Like 25? Yeah, he would have been about five. Yeah, I. but I don't... Robert's really the only one who might be if Willie May had told him about it. So, And since Willie May and Robert are both your characters, Gary, I think that might be up to you a little bit. She definitely would not have told you everything that happened, but did she... Yeah, she's always like, you know, kind of like what grandparents do is like sort of tell you little bits and expect you to figure it out well after they're dead. So, um, she sounds like my actual great grandmother who was Willie Mae, too. Um, (laughs) she, yeah, she would, she would tell him in, in a way that was like, well, clearly, like, you're not an actual sorcerer, you know? Um, but, he knows now that a lot of what she said was true, um, but he still doesn't have anywhere near a full picture. And because his grandmother is dead, um, he can only rely on sort of 
primary secondary sources so he's in the library and he's reading up on the newspaper stuff from around the time he was born and is just really carefully looking out for any like headlines or any bylines or just anything that stands out as unusual to him yeah so this is one of the interesting things about Sorcerer as a system versus a lot of other role-playing game systems, which at this point would like have you roll for research or investigation or that kind of thing. Unless someone's actively trying to hide it from you or actively opposing you in some way, you don't roll. So, and nobody's trying to hide this information. So I think you just find it and you find what you find since you're looking at kind of official news reports, you find, you definitely find information about the Swampland, right? Uh, Swampland, the water park, we should say, right? There is the water park in town, which we haven't visited yet, called Swampland, which was, part of it was sold off to build this water park. That's what a lot of Kingdom, our, our first four episodes, came down to. And then as you, you know, proceed further, further back, you know, you find suburbs that are encroaching on it and, and reducing its size, that kind of thing. You probably find a short article which lists like someone had put a bunch of money into starting a development but they didn't then it turned out that the current landholder refused them and so they lost out on a bunch of money and you can piece together that that was willie may right because at the time she owned it right and then by the time you get back into the the late and mid 60s yeah you find a few kind of strange articles about people seeing ghosts in the clearing especially right after jeremy phelps's death in 64 mm-hmm. you find a report of a of an illegal bonfire was put out in the middle of the clearing in 68 you don't know what mm-hmm. that's about um at all i don't think yeah so you definitely find weird stuff you find these kind of like veiled veiled references to willie may because nobody knows who owns this kind of last three square acres and you maybe put together that she purchased it in the early 70s. So she didn't own it in the 60s, but by kind of 72, 73, that's when this this shadow owner seemed to show up and start stop development on that particular parcel of land. In, yeah. wait, sorry, when did you say in the 70s? Yeah, early 70s, like 72, 73. Again, it's hard to tell just from news articles, right? But that's that's some of the stuff you start putting together. Okay. Um, Would he have seen the stuff about jeremy phelps because didn't he die in the swamp yeah absolutely yes thank you for that yeah that would be like big headline news by the time you get to 64 yeah that would be like major front page news of probably a number of local newspapers not just in the livery but neighboring towns as well yeah thank you sharon totally he would totally thanks sharon yeah i also should say and i think you would go ahead I was just going to say, I think you would put together, right, we've established that there's a statue in front of the high school to Jeremy Phelps and kind of in memory of his death. And so I think you put that together, too, because that's probably the high school you went to. And so you saw that every day Um, and maybe never even thought like, oh, he died in the swamp. But here it is. What were you going to say a second ago, Gary? Oh, no. Yeah, no. um, Yeah. Thank you all. Um, (laughs) This also is very time consuming for him. So it you know completely takes out his entire day to do um you know this is pre i don't know what library technology looked like in the 80s but i can imagine card catalogs yeah card catalogs (laughs) i don't even know if this place would have microfilm 
Maybe. I don't oh, think yeah. I think the liveries library is probably too small. Like you're probably looking at at bound newspapers that have oh, been collected. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you went into Houston, guess, I'm yeah. sure that that a larger Houston library would have microfilm records. Yeah. So he is basically at the library all day until whenever it closes. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So make me. Yeah. No, you don't need to roll for this. At a certain point. So up until it closes, let's say it closes at, you know, seven early because it's a it's a small town library. And as you are heading out again, nobody's trying to obscure this. So there's no need to, to roll for this kind of thing. As you are heading out, you note that there is um, an older black man sitting in a chair kind of facing there. I'm imagining that there's kind of a room with some windows that face the main street with some chairs where people can sit and read he's sitting there he's got like hair has started to turn white short cropped hair and he's just sitting there looking straight out not reading anything but you notice him and it kind of tickles the back of your mind a little bit and you recall that um willie may actually introduced you to this man once before this is jim right this is jim yeah so he you know goes over and he's like very uh, hesitant in his stride because he's getting you know sort of interesting vibes from this cat. Um, but he taps him on the shoulder and he says, "Hey, you know, uh, funny seeing you here, Mister Chesimard. It has been a long time. It has. I was uh, sorry to hear about your grandmother. Yeah, you and me both." Um, you know, was still processing. She was a good friend. She met. Yeah, she would tell me. She would tell me about you know uh, you two, and um, you know I know you meant a lot to her. Why don't you, as you're having this conversation, why don't you go ahead and roll your lore, and I'll give you an additional die since you are leaning on Willie May a little bit. You've got, yeah, you've got two in lore. I'm giving you an additional one for. We're bringing in Willie May, so you're at 3d8 if that's what you want to go ahead and roll. Yeah, let's do it. So I rolled a an 8, a 5, and a 2. Nice. And I rolled 5, 3, 2, and 1, and 1. So even though I rolled 5d8, they did not come out very well. You definitely succeed. What you notice, you know, you're standing next to Jim's shoulder looking down at him, and he's looked up at you. Um, what you notice, and it's weird when you first start to notice it. And maybe as you do, you also feel MLAC around your neck start to heat up like hot metal against your neck. And you suddenly don't know how you couldn't have noticed it before, but you see that Jim's eyes are hollow is maybe the best way to describe it, right? The more you look into them, there there's no, there's no white to them at all. There's no pupil or iris even. It just, it feels like you, if you looked too long, you could fall into them. Mm. And he just, yeah, he's like, oh, is everything, you know, your eyes, I don't know. Are your eyes like, what's good with your eyes, man? (laughs) But but translate that into a way more polite, concerned, like, you know, kind of (laughs) way. What's up with your eyes? Look at your eyes, bro. Like, what the Robert fuck? Robert runs Gee. screaming from the library. Yeah, well, let's do that then. Like, oh, snap. And he basically just remembers, I got a gig tonight. And he just books it. Really? Cool. Okay. I like mm-hmm. that. That's not, that's not how I expected him to take it, but I like it. 
is that I, I think I think he's a little shook by what happened last night, and for he sure. for a while is gonna kind of do some things that isn't really examples of you know forethought. For sure, yeah, yeah, I dig that. I mean, and and you maybe even put together that so when you saw the alligator demon last night in the in the swamp in the clearing and maybe we should i we might want to start being i'm just thinking of this off the top of the head but maybe we should start calling the clearing the area where you encountered the bayou witch and the Mm. swamp being kind of the whole whole, general area so when you encountered the witch in the clearing uh and it's alligator demon you definitely saw that its claws were as joan described them once void claws right an Mm -hmm. absence of something and so i think you put that together that his eyes are similar to the emptiness of the alligator's claws and when you get outside of the library you know take a few deep breaths it's may so it's not super hot yet but it's definitely humid you take some deep breaths and you look over your shoulder through those windows that Jim is sitting looking out of. And Jim has just returned to his looking forward, very still, not moving, not blinking, uh, almost like he's frozen, even though he reacted when you talk to him. And then you can and then you book at the rest of the way home, probably, or or to the rogue or somewhere else. Home and the rogue. So let's um Let's jump ahead to tonight a little bit, Sharon. Mm-hmm. Do you? What do you tell your mom? I'm just kind of, I'm kind of curious what you tell your mom about um, where you're going. I mean, I think she's probably pretty evasive with her mom. It seems like they don't really talk very much. Um, so I think she would just say that she's going to the Sycamore's house to do some studying. You're going over to the to the Sycamore's. I didn't realize that you were that you knew them very well. Yeah, well, you know how high school is. You just make new friends fairly easily. <laughs> I just know how high school is. When did you get to be so wise? <laughs> I'm just relating my experience. Anyway, Millie is pretty cool. So she offered to help with uh, some of my calculus homework. So I think, uh, yeah, I I told her I'd come by tonight. Why? What's <laughs> wrong with the sycamores? Nothing's wrong with the sycamores so far as I know. I I just... I didn't know. And she, she <laughs>, laughs a little bit. Calculus. I never I never could wrap my head around that. And there's there's a similar awkward pause as to the one we just had now. Yes. And Ruby says Look, Joan, I'm I'm sorry for the way I I've been treating you the past couple of days with your your father showing back up. It's been it's been tough on me. Yeah, what's up with him? Is he still hanging around town? I should think so. That's actually what I wanted to talk to you about. You're well, you're actually going over to the Sycamores tonight? Yeah, I'm I'm going. Why? I what do you kinda, want to tell me about my father? I just kind of thought you might be lying to me that you were going to go see him instead. Oh, no. I mean, should I? No, you shouldn't lie to me, Joan. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> Jesus, mom. <laughs> uh, um, no, I'm not lying to you. I just meant, should I reach out to um, Elijah? Was it Elijah or was it the other one? No, it's Elijah. I, I don't know. I was so upset when he showed up out of the blue. I, 
you asked what you should know about him. He's, I don't know what he's been up to the past 15 years. When I knew him, he was a land developer, pretty rich. And then he, he took off as soon as I got pregnant. They, he's largely responsible for Swampland and some of the other stuff around in the Houston area. His The mm-hmm. company he and his, his uncle, I think, I think it was his uncle, ran. They were kind of a big deal. And I've I've just been, I was so scared that he would come up with a way to take you from me. But the more I've been thinking about it, the more I feel like maybe you deserve a chance. But also, you're a little bit tied to this place. And I feel like that's my fault. Well, thanks for apologizing. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll try to track him down. Okay, let me know how it goes. But if he's so rich, do you think he'd pay for my college tuition? I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. Well, then it seems advantageous to at least get in touch since he's back in town, as it were. Advantageous, yeah. Hmm. I think I'm going to get ready for work. Have a good have a good study date. All right. Have fun at work. I'll let you know what happens with Elijah if I find him. Or if you see him at the Rogue, then just tell him to give me a call. I'll, I'll try not to bite his head off again. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Mom. So let's jump ahead to, it's probably like right after dinner time, 6.30 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you go up and knock on the front door, I, I take it? Yeah. That's yeah, how why not? normal people do it, but we are <laughs> yeah, just sorcerers the with demons bound to us. Um, uh-huh. You knock on the front door. Samson, you hear a knock at your front door. If you're home, I'm going to assume that you're home unless you tell me otherwise, unless you've got other plans. Um, no, I think I'm home. All right. You hear a knock at the front door. Um, do you answer it? Do you wait for your for your wife to answer? Who else is home? Uh, I think everybody. I think I think everybody's home. So there's there's you, uh, Sylvia. I was about to call her Sophie, but Sylvia, <laughs> Millie, um, all four of your kids are home. What time is it? It's like six thirty seven. You've just had dinner. Um, no, definitely not getting the door. Rude. All right. Um, no, it's it's just not my job. I would say that I would be like, Solomon, get that. (laughs) Um, Solomon goes scurrying into the into the front room, opens the door. And Joan, you see uh, kind of a 12 year old boy. I'm just going to give him some fucking detail. His uh, he's got like a mop of brown hair on top of his head, Um, like very unkempt. I think he's wearing (laughs) like a Canadian tuxedo. So like a, a t-shirt, jeans, and a jean jacket. And he, okay. he just like throws the door open. Who are you? Uh, hello, child. Um, where's your sister or your dad? Child? How old are you? Like 16. What? You are very small. So You're a child comparatively. too. Oh, God. Where's your dad or your sister? What do you want my dad for? Dad! I, nope. <laughs> okay. Yeah? There's someone at the door. Who is it? Are they selling uh, some, something? Some girl. Solomon like walks away toward the kitchen. <laughs> Millie. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Joan, the the doorway has been cleared. You hear Samson shout for Millie. Can I just? Uh, you can do whatever walk you want. In? You can just okay. wander in. Yeah. Just wearing right. slippers, drinking a beer, watching television. Okay, so I just wander in. And I imagine his... you, yeah, I imagine you walk in like right to the living room 
maybe like past the closet and then there's the living room and you see samson in slippers drinking a beer watching i don't know a game of some kind or are you watching sure. the news? Yes. maybe a football game yeah hey, college football. Very on brand. hey mr sycamore what why are you in my house I'm actually having a study date with your daughter, but seeing as you're here as well, um, whatever happened with your, uh, your friend, your little cop friend? That's, no, we're in my house. What are you doing? Ugh. Well, why didn't you call me if you know anything? What? Why are you still talking to me? Millie! Thunder, mm. thunder, 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 God. as Millie charges down the stairs. Joan! Hi. Hey, hi, Millie. How's it Millie, going? Millie, you have to tell us if you're having people over. I told mom. Mom doesn't live here. Wait, does she no, not I, live there? Are I, they separate? I told stepmom. You keep telling me to call her mom, and then oh. I told Sylvia, <laughs> Dad. Okay, God. well, you have to tell me, or she, Sylvia. <laughs> God, what did I walk into? Uh, c- 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 come on, Joan. Come on, and Millie like grabs your hand and starts to lead you lead you upstairs mm, as okay. as sylvia comes in from the kitchen glass of chardonnay in hand yes <laughs> did you did millie tell you she was having a friend over yeah why didn't you tell me since when hey, do you care whether people are showing up into our at our house middle of the just night? watch the football game <laughs> tell me what's happening in our home you're your daughter is is having a friend over to study. What do you want? Yeah, well, you don't tell me what you do on the weekend in your boat. Have I ever even seen your boat? No. Do you want to go out on the boat? Not particularly. Well, <laughs> I just didn't think you'd be that interested in fish guts and, like, warm beer. I'm not. Well, then, what? If you don't... Just tell me when... Tell me the things that our children tell you. She gives you a very ironic, like, military salute. Message received, <laughs> Captain. Turns around and heads back into the kitchen. Okay. Uh, Joan, how does, your, how does your study date go with Millie? Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine it's fairly straightforward. I'm, try, I'm trying to think if there's anything that she can really get from Millie outside of actual study help. Well, let, let me ask this. It definitely, seemed, it definitely seemed like you had an agenda when you yeah, agreed to come was, over what's your goal right what's your aim for i think her here? goal was trying to get in touch with samson because he hadn't said anything since they delivered those fingerprints and mm. she's still waiting to figure out what's going on with the fingerprints okay sure so so your your goal is actually to convince him to divulge information at some point yes okay cool yeah. that, that gives me kind of a guide for the scene a little bit Okay, and what about this kind of nascent crush that Millie appears to have on you? Do you encourage it? Do you discourage it? Do you just kind of, like, try to keep things neutral at the moment? I think she'd probably keep things neutral at the moment because, like, her interest in Millie is largely to get information from her father. Sure. Which is a little um, sneaky, but I think, you know, she's more focused on the supernatural stuff that's happening in town Mm -hmm. rather than actually being focused on Millie um as a friend or as a potential crush yeah 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 but yeah i don't think she would discourage it i don't think she would really go one way or the other i think she wants to stay in touch with millie you know as a connection to her father as a source in other words yeah (laughs) kind of 
Um, yeah, I dig it. Okay, can I? I kind of just want to like let you and Kiefer like vibe for a second and figure out like just between the two of you. These are like effectively all your characters. I can jump in as as uh, an NPC if we need to, but can the two of you just kind of like decide how how the evening plays out? Yeah, I mean, if so, like, what if Joan goes downstairs to get a drink or something? And tries again to get information from him. Is there any way that he would divulge any information while she's at his house? Um, I think, like, if you start getting louder, right? Like, if you... You would need to make it so that it was more... It was less likely that his family would think something was up that you were talking to him than that you weren't, right? Like, you would need to start mm. being like, what do you think about that hand that we found in the, you know? Oh, uh, so, like, he would take her aside? Yeah, yeah, or just, like, start talking loudly in the living room about something and be like, okay, okay, like, talk, like turn up the volume on the TV kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, so then why don't we have her go downstairs without Millie, walk through the living room again, presuming that's on the way to the kitchen, Sure. And yeah, ask him again about the hand, but a bit louder this time. What are you trying to get me into trouble? Like what you know that no. I don't want my family around this stuff. Okay, well then why don't you just tell me what's going on and it'll be over with. Do you can you fine. Um it belonged to a dead kid, uh Jeremy. The, the there's a statue at the high school I've seen. The kid who drowned or got murdered or whatever. That happened before I was born. How would his hand still be intact? You know, that's a great question. I think maybe you could ask the demon alligator who dropped it at your feet how it is possible that a hand has lasted for 20 years. Well, I'm not going to do that by myself. Oh my god. How can you be as sarcastic as you are constantly and not understand the slightest trace of irony? Ugh. You're a teenager. God. I mean, it's not an unreasonable thing entirely. I'm a fairly strong what I am. I just, you know, I think it would be useful if you and um, Robert in particular came and helped me with this. I'm not saying that I won't help you. I'm just saying that I don't want to have this conversation at my house. And I would expect that you would understand that maybe once we're dealing with supernatural forces from other dimensions, that it's mm. possible that, you know something that's dead could still be around. Okay, well then, why don't you come to the Rogue at some point after this, or tomorrow, and we can... You've already torn up my relationship for the night, so I'm going to be spending the next couple days dealing with some work stuff and my relationship, because I have actual grown-up responsibilities. Ugh, fine, what about Wednesday? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see how the work thing goes, I guess. What? Yeah. Look, if you see, you're there every night, right? Like, you'll see me Most there, nice. and if you see me there, we can talk. I just, we don't necessarily know how long we have until this supernatural stuff is going to blow up in our faces. I think it makes sense to try and take care of it as soon as possible. Right, but I do know how long I have before, like, work blows up in my face. So, mm. Okay, we well then, maybe, maybe I'll see maybe you. Maybe I'll see you Wednesday, okay? Okay, great. See you Wednesday, go, then. Maybe. Don't. Mm. Just go study. 
Yeah, fine. Okay. All right, Mr. Sycamore. See you sometime this week. Yeah, I'm glad you're having a good time in track, and Millie appreciates the friendship. Yeah, she's a nice girl. I look forward to being her friend more. (laughs) Strangely. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I like the idea that they're kind of raising their voices at the end of it to be like, yes, this was a normal conversation, and it makes sense that you were in here. And then you Uh said, I look forward to being her friend more. (laughs) I mean, but it is is also like such a teenage thing to say, right? Mm -hmm. And I look forward to being her friend more. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Um, Yeah. So you head back upstairs. Uh, also, I'm just going to say, I was imagining Samson in that whole conversation, like dressed in like a pink bathrobe, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as Samson turns to like sit back down on the couch, you see Dorian standing in the hallway and he's uh, who is Samson's eight year old son. And he's Uh-oh. holding a little like stuffed animal alligator. And he just <laughs> says, Daddy. Hey, how's it going, kid? Can I watch the game with you? Yeah, of course. I'd love that. Okay, so if we don't, are there, is there anything else we want out of this sycamore domestic scene? No, not really. I mean, I assume, like, even just coming over to study is helping to cement that friendship, so. Sure, right. Okay. Gary, do you have anything you want for Robert over the next kind of day or two? So if they're not coming to the rogue, have to get that right, tonight, then it's certain that Robert will still be playing there, right? Yeah, yeah so he's I was just, probably still yeah. playing there. Yeah, so I, I had this, uh, like, idea of him, you know, having learned all these things about 20 years ago um, and mm-hmm. about, you know, this sort of shadow investor who is his grandmother. He goes and he, you know, gets ready and, you know, does his usual set, Um but he actually, like, before he started playing, like, called his other band members and basically told them, hey, you can take the night off. Mm. You know, Interesting. Tells him he can take the night off, and he instead winds up going to the bar and is doing kind of like a solo gig, just, just him by himself. Mm-hmm. And doesn't expect to be paid for it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, this is just Robert getting a need out, right? Getting kind of his own personal psychic need. Yeah. And like the stage is all his and he's kind of doing his thing. Um, but his playing is like way more aggressive than, you know, kind of his usual fare. Um, and instead mm-hmm. of trying to get a feel of how other people in the room are you know like instead of what's the word instead of tuning his playing to the that of the crowd he has his own moods and he wants to basically like impress upon them like this is how i'm feeling um this is what i'm trying to do um and it's 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 borderline raucous like bass playing you know it's kind of like very aggressive aggressive slap bass um Mm -hmm. that isn't like you know to any particular song but it's just like him getting out the melodies in his head and you know yeah yeah i love it and it it totally has the effect that you want it to 
on the crowd. Yeah, and I think it's actually a, like a really good night for the rogue because of it, right? Like everybody, everybody's very receptive. You don't have to roll to try and like, because there's no competition here. They're all very receptive to it. And uh, people get on the dance floor. Like they, they pull tables to the side. They like, they jump. I think at one point, you know, you look up out of your train, or maybe not. Maybe it's just the camera that notices like Ruby very hurriedly making drinks because people are like ordering them all over the place. It gets packed, right? It's a Monday night and it just gets packed. Yeah, it's like a, it's the best night that the Rogue has seen in a long time as you get a lot of this angst out through your music. Well, now I feel kind of bad for <laughs> telling him, telling the band members to stay home. Uh, well, no, I think that's part of it, right? I think that's part of it. Like, I think I think they do hold you back, right? If Imlac is one of the things that makes you a musician and it's your, it's pulling you through as as some kind of, you know, prodigy, almost like it, right? The, the I don't know, I, do, I don't want to frame this in the wrong way because like, I think you are very good at bass no matter what. But it is Imlac which allows you to have such an impact on the audience. And the other instruments would, you know, they would just be background noise. They wouldn't be the the pure bass that you that you bring to the crowd. Yeah, it's like the the sort of spiritual effect. It's like yeah, Robert absolutely. is he, he's very much like an expert bass player. Um, and I don't mm-hmm. want to get into like the sort of Robert Johnson crossroads man like sort of thing where it's like oh well it was clearly the crossroads man why robert johnson was a great guitar player like clearly it couldn't have been robert johnson himself you know yeah um does that make sense like that that kind of distinction so i don't want to lean into that but i do want to lean into like you know robert's a great bass player but there's some alter level supernatural shit that mlac is doing that is beyond any kind of human ability yeah, yeah, for sure, right. It's not, Imlac doesn't make you a good or even a great bass player. What Imlac does is give you almost a supernatural control over the audience's emotions, right? Right, that's the distinction, right, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Okay, I am looking for something real quick here. I need you, okay, so we have we have this like great night and then, you know, we kind of cross dissolve to, um that night everything's over i think you are probably drenched with sweat right from putting it all out there putting as much on the floor as you could ruby walks over just kind of like pats you on the shoulder she's she's like physically exhausted as well just because of the the difficulty of of keeping up with customers and everything and because she was affected by the music uh and takes off and then as you are do you drive to the rogue do you walk to the rogue you know, I don't know that we've established that. Yeah, I assumed he walked to the Rogue and took the bus there. Okay. Yeah. So you, you know, you probably have a base that you leave, uh, not a base, an amplifier that you leave there and take your base with you. As you are leaving the Rogue, right? It is yeah. night outside. There are stars in the sky. Um, you can feel that Imlac is in need. Right, that you have you have been pushing him. Uh, I I think that we've given Imlac he him pronouns. That you've mm-hmm. been pushing Imlac to to rely on you. When a demon goes into need, it starts to 
push back against you a little bit. And mm. we we know that the way you fulfill that need is through swimming in the in the swamp. So mm-hmm. you just kind of feel that, and I'm sure that you you kind of mentally or or out loud tell Emlac it's okay, like I'll go for a swim now or in the morning or something like that. You've got plenty of time. And then I need you to make me a will roll. And your will for the audience at home is five. So that's pretty good. Let me And let me kind of tell you what's happening. You are feeling an intrusion uh, in your mind, basically. You are feeling like it feels like someone is reaching in with their fingers into your brain and poking around. Um, mm. Is there something you would like to do in order to defend yourself? He, like, basically sort of pulls over, not pulls over, but he's walking on the sidewalk and there's like a, you know, just sort of off-road forest and he just kind of wanders into it because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want people, you know, like random passerby to see what he's about to do and he just sort of reaches into his like you know case and gets his bass and like just starts strumming like you know random notes like kind of as a defense mechanism you know to you know whatever is trying to infiltrate his mind space like to just sort of keep it at bay and you know, I guess the role will determine if this is successful or not, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, okay. yeah. So I will give you, for that additional description, I'll give you another die. So you'll be rolling at 68 for your will. All right. So I rolled high eight, seven, four, two threes, and a one. Nice. So uh, I also rolled a 5d8. I rolled a 7 as my highest. So you win this exchange as well. So you're aware that what happens next is an illusion, is kind of a psychic attack that something is performing on you. Um, You hear, it sounds like the beating of rebar against steel canisters or against... um, uh, metal drums, that's the, the word I'm thinking of, right? Like a, like an oil barrel, that kind of drum. It, uh, so there's this huge cacophonous sound, and maybe that's what you are playing against, right? Your, the music that you're playing is, is um, sublimating against these, these raucous noises. And visually, you get a scene of what looks like molten fire beneath you. It's and it's you can tell that it is overlaid on on what you're actually seeing, right? So this is something that you are successfully defending against. You don't suddenly think that you're about to be boiled alive. Hmm. And you smell burning flesh, right? Which again, which is overlaid over the natural smell of kind of the sea and the general Texan humidity. Um and the, you know, the smell of the cigarettes from the rogue, which are still in your clothes and everything. But something has tried to, to assert itself into your mind. And you've managed to push it away. But, and all, all that fades. It only lasts a few seconds. You don't know how long it might have lasted if you had failed in your defense attempt. Um, but it, I think it leaves you a little rattled that something has, has reached out 
from who knows where in order to do this. Hmm. Yeah, he's he, he's rattled. Um, and you can kind of see him limping out of the like little shrubs, even though, you know, he was able to ward himself. Um, it's, it's still taking a toll on top of the, you know, physical performance of, you know, playing mm-hmm. at the Rogue. Um, and he's wondering if he should tell, uh, Joan and Samson. Mm-hmm. about this um, even though it wasn't like an alligator with a hand you know I do think he does feel a budding kinship with those two even if he's not sure what their motives are but it's late and home is in the distance so he decides to go back for the night and you know sleep it off I am recording. Kiefer, are you recording? I am recording. Gary, are you recording? (laughs) I am recording. Sharon, are you recording? I am recording. I love it. That was so (laughs) cute. Aw, I love y'all. That's so adorable.